And we're back. Welcome to Abstractable. I'm Lockie and this is Ryan. And this is a podcast for people who are curious about the world around them like we are and love to discover new things. In this episode, we talk about one of our favourite podcasts from this year with that has a really clickbaity sort of title and it's called How to Get Rich by Naval Ravikant. And we cover a bit of ground. We talk about how Naval has gone from washing dishes to running multiple companies and being an investor in Twitter, Yammer and Uber, as well as many others. We talk about how his philosophy on life has shaped who he is, but why he still sees himself as a lazy guy. And we obviously also talk about how to get rich um, and the principles that he believes get you there. Yeah, so it's a pretty interesting uh, podcast because I reckon it's a little bit like his version of Ray Dalio's principles book, but it's obviously delivered through a podcast in much more of a sort of a short form sort of thing. Yeah, and you can definitely find out a lot more about Naval uh, through Twitter, at Naval, and also his website, theangelphilosopher.com. Some of my other favourite interviews and podcasts from 2019 were his long form with Joe Rogan uh, and also with The Knowledge Project. So we really hope you enjoy this episode. We certainly did. Cheers. We're back. <laughs> it's been a, what a way to open. I know. We've been a, have we been on hiatus a little? Yeah. Not that, not that anyone else knows that when they're listening to no, this. No, so but we'll, we do. we'll cut that. <laughs> How have you been? Really well, Mark. Really yeah. well. And we've, um, have we upgraded? Oh, we've upgraded, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is our new home. So we're going to be recording here from the new FSC offices, which is the company that me and two others started. So um, this will be our new place where we don't have to rejig the setup every time. We can just get in and get going, I reckon. Mind you, it's still pretty ghetto with these. Yeah. <laughs> These boxes that we're popping yeah. our mics hey, up with. It's a work in progress. All we're right. getting there. We're iterating. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, and today we're just doing something different. We are recording a analysis on a particular podcast, which is not a book, but we still love books. But this is, we're kind of broadening our sphere to, you know, I think that we're making our podcast for the curious people. So, you know, we want to try and share things that we've consumed and found really enlightening, interesting, want to talk about and that we talk about to each other. So this is definitely one of them, the Naval podcast that you found. Yeah. How did you find it? Hmm. Okay. So I was listening to, actually I was watching, I was watching a Joe Rogan podcast, um, funnily enough, with Naval. That, which I think I sent you that as yeah, well. Yeah, that is awesome, by the way. That was amazing. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd actually listened to Naval on Tim Ferriss' show previously. Yeah. Um, um, many, uh, quite a while ago, I think, from memory. And, you know, I was pretty, yeah, pretty impressed at the time. But I, you know, just didn't really pursue much afterwards because I guess he hasn't, uh, as far as I'm aware, produced a book or anything. Mm. So, you know, the... The automatic is to like listen to listen while these guys are making podcasts. All right, what books do they got? <laughs> or you know, what have they done? And um, so listening to him, I obviously didn't pursue too much. Um, and then listening to him talk then on Joe Rogan and the the tweet storm, the the infamous tweet storm um, came up 
with throughout the podcast and that that was a that was a central focus for the episode um and some of the stuff he's saying was just really really resonating so any anyway i jumped onto the podcast listened to the whole thing and i think i was about you know within the first eight minutes i'd probably send it to you i'd send it to <laughs> jazzy yeah you know, i'd send it to um half of my contacts list just saying listen to this and i ignored it for a couple of weeks yeah and did. then you said, no, really, listen to this. And I did. And it was, uh, yeah, it's really amazing. It's so dense as well. So, But the podcast is essentially he goes through each of these tweets that he put out um, in small bite-sized episodes. Um, you can get the whole thing in one big mega episode towards the end of his podcast stream. But he explains all these different, um, all these different tweets. And the tweet storm is about... How to get rich without getting lucky is the name, but he kind of says in there that it's about creating wealth, not but getting rich is a um, catchier title. Mm. So, well, this is um, the what is it? The opening tweet of that tweet storm is seek wealth, not money or status. Mm. Um, it's kind of these three like different different dimensions that you know mm. the people subliminally go to when they when they're talking about wealth and money generation yeah so he's still releasing them i i've noticed he keeps releasing small episodes but the first kind of season if you will is about three hours long and you can crank it out in a day while you're washing your car and doing your chores or whatever but um it's really dense so i've managed (laughs) i got a bit obsessed with it and listened to it three times um, because I, there's just so I much. Think, in I think there. that's the nature of the uh, the podcast itself. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, but we loved it. So we thought we'd while it's fresh in our minds, let's let's talk about it. So. Um, so what can uh, what can you tell us about Naval? Or, or should I say, the enigma that is Naval? Yeah. So it took me quite a while to do this biography this time, and full disclosure, there's probably some mistakes in this because it is very hard to find anything about this guy. He's a bit of an enigma. He doesn't have a Wikipedia page. There's not a lot of biographical articles about him. Um, A lot of the stuff in here he kind of says in his podcast. Um, But I think this will – it gives good context to how he sort of came up with all this stuff. So um, he was born in New Delhi, India in 1974 – which is, you know, a world away. Um, a world away and just a completely different life away to who he is now, I guess, which yeah. he describes. Um, and when, at the age of nine, he moved to the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Uh, he said he was raised by a single mother and into a pretty rough neighbourhood um, where he was obviously an immigrant and different to everyone else, I imagine. Um, and so to stay off the streets, he spent most of his childhood in the library after school and was probably, I reckon, a classic nerd almost. Um, he said he read all the books, which kind of says the voracious appetite for information he has. Um, and it was, it was interesting, yeah. right? So the, um, cause the reason that he was going to the library was that it was like 
a safe haven. So he's, you know, he's, he's, he's sing, you know, being a single mother, um, brought up by a single mother. She was dropping him there. You likely know, working. After school, yeah. Likely working double shifts or whatever it was to, you know, support, support the family. And that was like a safe place because if he'd sort of ended up going home, there was not just risk to safety, but also, you know, he would have led on a completely different tangent and path in life mm. to, where, to where he sort of ended up. Yeah, absolutely. He always said, he said he always wanted to be the smartest person in the room and he just remembered a lot of facts back then. He read all the books, remembered the facts. And if he didn't know, he just made the facts up. So he'd still sound smart, which is a good strategy. Yeah, we all know people, probably a couple sitting here that have done that once or twice. Um, but he, yeah, he really valued being intelligent. He was, he was obviously intelligent and lent into that pretty hard early on. Uh, and he worked throughout school as um, doing different menial jobs. Um, he, and one of the big motivators for him was he was working as a caterer, um, for this Indian food delivery service and some other stuff. And he had to serve wait tables at one of his, one of the people at his school. It's like big fancy rich person celebratory dinner or something like that. And he was in walking around serving everyone else food and said that was quite embarrassing um, as a child. Like it just, I think, I imagine because he didn't have a lot of money growing up and was kind of feeling vulnerable about that. I'm not sure, but that so was... He was embarrassed. Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. So I think that gives you an insight into his mindset. He was motivated to to make wealth and make a life for himself. To be the guy ordering the Moe. That's it. But now he almost certainly <laughs> <caviar>. does. <laughs> um he graduated high school in 1991 and went to Dartmouth University and or college and studied computer science and economics, uh, graduating in 1995. So went to college. He said he was $400 short of being able to afford college and had to borrow it off someone um, and hustled lots of jobs to be able to get in because yeah, I... Th- it was pretty obvious he was clearly smart enough, but yeah, struggled from an economic standpoint. So. Pretty interesting, like themes, like like you know, the first nine years spent in New Delhi, you know, it's it would have seen some wild shit, you know, back then. <laughs> yeah, seriously, like yeah, you, you, even even now you you come across um, on the socials just even maybe not so much now, but there was that period in time when. You know, like there was just every every fucking weird video on Facebook that you could ever possibly see. Um, it's and, chaotic, right? Yeah. It's a different world. And they, they clearly didn't have like the machine machine learning algorithms sorted sorted out for the for video recognition and real fucked up videos that you shouldn't see. Yeah, that scare you. Yeah, that scare yeah. you for life. And you just happen to click on or even just autoplay some of those videos unbelievable like you know people getting run over by motorcycles and things and guts hanging out everywhere like just seen some weird shit and people just like continuing about their day and this dude's just on the ground jeez i'm not saying that's a uh normal occurrence a normal occurrence but but you know it's 
Yeah. The desensitization of everyone walking around that dude was kind of like, yeah. maybe this happens a little bit. Yeah, it's pretty full on. Although I would say that probably happens here too. How many times have you driven past a car crash on the freeway and just mm. sort of horsed on? Yeah. Turned the radio up and kept going. I guess, yeah. the, um, I guess the thing is though, like if, if that car crash, like always, it's always attended by an ambo. You know, there's, there's an ambulance on scene or a fire truck on scene or a police car on scene. I don't know if I've ever driven past one that's like someone's clearly just crashed their car. You know, there's mm. smoke and maybe some fire or whatever. I don't know how you'd, how you'd go in that situation. No, yeah. You'd have to stop. You would. There's a lot of trauma. Like, it's full on. When a car crashes, it's... It's fucked. It is, yeah. And that's, yeah, it's good... A lot of good people do a lot of good work. We're pretty we're pretty close here to the um the Alfred the Alfred Hospital, which yeah. is like world renowned in terms of its like trauma care. But I suspect uh, it's just because we get so many car crashes here. Yeah, the mental I don't know, burden from seeing all that would be full on. Desensitizing. Yeah. You just walk past the guy on the street with his guts hanging out. Jesus. <laughs> um so he was in during college. He worked as a intern at a law firm, and he got fired because he was basically just there for photocopying. But he spent his time surfing the early internet, and they didn't like that. <laughs> but they didn't really have anything for him to do. I don't think so. Um, he always thought he'd be an astrophysicist when he was younger, but his mother kind of knew that he'd be going to business, and it turned out that he did. So. I didn't realise. So you did computer science and economics yeah. and then went to work at a law firm. Interned. I Interned. don't know whether it was – there's no date on that. It's an anecdote that he tells. Um, and it was either – but my guess is it was during college um, as you're an intern. And then when he graduated, he worked as a computer programmer at a couple of companies and all, and wanted to start his own business and would go around telling people he was going to do that. Interesting on Which the um, did. interesting on the intern thing, right? Is uh, it's actually through this podcast that he he brings up Warren Buffett mm. and Warren Buffett um, asking Benjamin Graham, you know, Mister Mister Value Investor, or you know, pretty well the guy that invented value investing, or has it been regarded to have, and. Asks him for an internship saying that he will work for free. And Benjamin Graham, you know, basically turns around and says to him, you're overpriced. Mm. <laughs> you know, so you are overpriced for the amount that you're going to get out of learning yeah. from me. And he also says that the, the best type of educations are ones that you have to learn on the job. Yeah, the apprenticeships. Apprenticeship model. Yeah. Um, and he's, yeah, he's a massive Taleb fan and you can, his ideas are littered throughout this podcast. Yeah. I think, I think uh, yeah, Taleb gets the most mentions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely the most mentions out of anyone. Yeah. Um, so he co-founded a... 
1999, a business called ePinions, and it was a consumer reviews website. So it would aggregate reviews for different things that you bought and that sort of thing. Um, he raised a fair bit of funding and um, they sold to a company called DealTime, which doesn't exist anymore, became shopping.com, which then sold to eBay for quite a lot of money. Mm. Um, but Naval left sometime in the middle before it sold and he and some other co-founders ended up suing one of the original co-founders and the venture capital firms for effectively misrepresenting the value of e-pinions when it sold. And so this I is think his business partners. This is when he got fucked by his business partners. Yeah, yeah. So, and so, yeah, in the podcast he says that he's made three kind of well, – he's made, he said he's made his money incrementally, but he said he got screwed over by his co-founders with one of the small fortunes he made. The second he quickly lost on the share market almost straight away, and then the third time he – has held onto it and, and done a number of things. But he said it's come in small chunks. It hasn't come in one big payday for him. Yeah. And that's, and, and when we're talking this, we're talking money. Yeah. But across that entire horizon of time is, is kind of the whole entire premise of this podcast is that he's continued to generate wealth mm. as a result. He's continued to generate wealth in, not just financial sense because that was having, you know, the highs and lows of market corruption, external forces, all the other exciting things, just general ignorance. Hmm. Um, but along the way, he's sort of just bolstered his own identity, his own brand, his own understanding of the world. And yes. now it's really coming out to the point where he, he said, you know, I think he said, I could lose all of my all of my money, you know, this week. But I know in a year's time, I'll be in a you know a really great great place. Yeah, and he says you want to be making money is a skill set, and you want to know that so that you can be well off in nine hundred ninety nine of the thousand universes if you're put into. And he says that there's some things that he can't. You can't replace. You need to have all your limbs. You need to have an education and that's, you know, you're going to struggle without that. But once you've got that, you, you're able to learn this. And one of his things is he says everyone can get rich. Um, and wealth is, he's quite level-headed. He's not saying everyone can is going to be a billionaire, right? But he explains that and it's pretty clever that, Wealth is not a zero-sum game. It, we can create more and more and more of it, which is why we're not all fighting over the same jobs in a cave, he says. It's because as the economies expand, it creates more for everyone. And, yeah, he's got an interesting view and he's talking about, he's not talking about dodgy capitalism. He says crony capitalism where the government helps the big companies out and all that sort of dodgy stuff that's happening you mean, you now. Mean the, the big companies help the politicians out and, and the politicians versa. through the government help 
exactly. Big yeah. And nothing, there's no, it screws over the little guy. So that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about kind of the pure free market trade of mm. um, capitalism. But, and look, there's certainly nuances to that that could be a whole different podcast <laughs> that Mate, I'm not I sure I agree fully with. And there's, but, He's certainly right, you know, and one of the most interesting things he says, I reckon, that resonated with me is he's like, I'd rather be a poor person now than an aristocrat 200 years ago because there was no antibiotics. There's, you know, pretty much no health care, no cars, no understanding of like nutrition and stuff. And, yeah, a lot of people are really bad, worse off. But generally the, the bar has risen and all boats have... Lifted as lifted a result. With the, with the tide. Yeah, it's not, we're not just continually dividing up the fucking pie. No, and yeah, yeah. there's- we're, The pie the, is getting bigger. And the nuance in that that everybody, including myself, are kind of annoyed about is that the pie isn't being divided very fairly as we go along. Mm. It's leaving some people behind. But there's no doubt that that there is a general increase in- quality of life from two, 300 years ago. That's, that's a fact. Yeah. The, and the, the tail, the t- the, both the tail ends is where the concern is. So the top 1% and the bottom 1% mm. and just how disproportionate the gap is yeah. that's growing between them. So let's fix that, yeah. but let's not throw the whole system out yeah, let's that not, got us here, let's right? Let's not stop growing the pie. That's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, so anyway... He also founded a company called Vast.com, which is a classified ads marketplace. He got married somewhere along the way. He's got a family. Um, but what he really started doing, when he really started to, I guess, have his biggest success was when he started the blog Venture Hacks with his um, co-creator Babak Nivi, who's also on the podcast. And they um, created this, uh, I suppose, blog that, helped people figure out how to raise money and how the venture capital game works and that sort of thing. And he put his name to it and took the accountability and used his knowledge of the area and later kind of parlayed that into his business where he's become very successful called Angel List where he and his co-founder Babak, they effectively, it helps raise capital for startups Angel Capital. So. Well, it's it you know it is the Facebook for for venture capital. It's a, mm. you know it's the the social media of startups. The, the Match dot com for investors and startups. It says yeah, bang yeah. And he's an early supporter of crypto. He loves crypto. Uh, he's an early investor in Twitter, Yammer, Stack Overflow, and Uber, and Squarespace, and a number of others. Um, and you can mainly find his work on Twitter. It's kind of the medium he kind of chooses and these podcasts are kind of his latest venture and probably his first time he's really, really stuck his neck out in a pub, in a to the greater public. I think he put his name to the, and he's quite famous in Silicon Valley because of the venture hack stuff where he first put his name to something. But this is more for the broad population, people like you and me and hopefully everyone that's listening, watching this. Um and his current net worth is estimated about two point two billion from a poor kid in India. So he's come a long way. Yeah, and I guess the 
the idea of this whole podcast is that he's trying to give you the baseline things that he's figured out, broadly applicable, that can timeless help anyone do it timeless. to a certain point. Yeah. yeah. And you might, and everyone's got different goals. You're not all, not everyone. I certainly don't want to be, uh, you know, do what it takes to become a billionaire, but it will help you succeed. And what he says is like, money doesn't make you happy, but not having it causes a lot of problems and means you don't have freedom. Yeah. Well, money, money doesn't solve all your problems, but. Money solves all your money problems. Yeah, and <laughs> it's like the classic quote. And not it. having it is a pro- is a problem because you're indebted to others. You have to go to work every day. You don't have a lot of choice. It can cause problems at home, all sorts of stuff. So you might as well be trying to use your. Plus, you spend so much of your life working, but you might as well be trying to do it in the way that's going to get you to where you want to be, whatever that may be. It doesn't have to be super rich but why not do it in the most effective way possible if you just want to own your house or whatever yeah he it gives you the he speaks to it as, as it gives you the opportunity for freedom mm. right it's not that it, but he also you know it's kind of disclaimed with some of the most unhappy people in the world are the richest people in the world yeah right you know i'm sure there's a, there's kids in back in Mumbai that are having a far better time, you know, living on the streets than some of the richest people are just in terms of mental state mm-hmm. and overall happiness and just enjoying what it is that they're doing in life. And the point, but the point he's trying to make is the leverage that you can, that you can have over what it is that you do with your time can be far greater enabled with money, you know? And and the classic thing is, you know, it's once you've, I'm not sure what it is in Australia here, but it's it's something like once you've reached the threshold of, you know, $60,000, $70,000 income per household, you know, beyond that, there's very, you know, there's, um, what is it, decreasing benefit across time. The more you make. The more you make. But it's not to say that um, um, I think Daniel Kahneman talks about, yeah, that's, that's true, right? So the happiness doesn't necessarily increase, but success and the, um, the feeling of success continues to increase as a result of yeah, earning more money. That's interesting. Yeah, which is, you know, that's, that's been science, yeah. uh, psychologically um, tested yeah. and, and measured. Yeah, I've thought a fair bit about this and I reckon that it's just all about choice. That's all it is. If you want a bunch of stuff, then you can do that. That's your choice. But if you keep living above your means, whatever that is, you won't be – it's very hard to be happy because it's so much pressure on you. And also it just – you're just never going to get ahead. Um so you can attack that two ways. You can have very little or nothing and then you've got heaps of freedom because you don't really need much. Classic, the surfer guy who lives in his van, right? 
he's completely free. He's not really beholden to much, but he hasn't got a lot in the. He hasn't really got a safety net either. So he's made that kind of. Yeah. He's made that um, trade off, you know. Um, classic, classic thing is you know you got the yeah the thirty five year old you know, corporate high roller who's yeah. talking to his you know, surfy mate who's been living out of his van for the last you know. 10, 15 years, mm. you know, one's been in the rat race, the yeah. other's been living by the beach, they're having a chat and the corporate guy goes, I'm just working towards my retirement where I can mm. live by the beach and just <laughs> hang out there yeah. and spend my time, you know, having a surf, being the waves with my family. And the 35 surf, you know, 35 year old surfer goes, I've been doing that for 15 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> interesting Depen- and yeah totally depends on what you want and like the classic thing is right is quite often is what happens is and this is like this is like the achilles the achilles heel in like the rat race if you will you know i hate to use that cliche but the rat race people are ratcheting up their lifestyle as their salary and their income is getting ratcheted up and everyone does that i do that even though I've thought a lot about this. Yeah, you, it's, it, and it just happens, right? You look at yourself and it's not, it's not something you notice, just like anything that changes over time. You know, you're not noticing it in the moment, but when you reflect back 10 years or five years, you're like, shit. You know, I'm, I'm having three coffees a day that I'm buying now rather than, mm. rather I, than one. I won't stay at the hostel week. anymore. I'm staying at this nice resort or whatever, right? Yeah. Like it just happens. I fly fucking Qantas rather than that's right. Tiger. <laughs> well, that's a safety thing. <laughs> so you I'm don't want sure to die. Say that. Uh, allegedly. Right. Uh, I, I, I have flown with Tiger many times and I've, um, I've survived. Okay. Well, that's a personal choice yeah, of yours. Personal choice. Uh, yeah. And the other side of that is you can get, not take on too much obligation, live below your means, don't have a lot of debt, you can have freedom. Or you can get all that stuff, become rich, pay it off, have heaps of money and then have freedom too. So it's just how you want to attack it. But the bottom line is don't spend more than you earn. Yeah, because your expectations continue to build and increase yeah. and beyond he talk, what your means are. He talks about this, doesn't he? A yeah. little bit, yeah. So. Deeply. So what's – should we hit a couple of the points that he – I mean, there's a bit in it, but a couple of the really key stuff that we got out of it. And, and yeah, take the time to listen to this. Just I think it's just like two, it. two, two and a half hours or – yeah, two and a half hours, three hours, whatever. Yeah. Like it's, you know, a commute home mm. and a commute to work. And you, you, you're almost there. Make the time. Depending on how far you live from work. Yep. Um, so we were talking about freedom before and um, there's a couple of things there. There's like the journey to getting to freedom and then there's what are you doing with that freedom? And, you know, as you're saying, some people just want to seek the sort of material, opulent lifestyle. Um some will argue that there's absolutely no f- real fulfillment in that and probably missing the point, whatever. Who might argue with that? It's a personal choice. Personal choice. 
right? Um, let's say, you know, buying Maseratis and living in million, multi-million dollar mansions um, is not your thing, but you have like this, you know, deep ingrained passion to uh, save the planet, you know, no, actually to, to remove plastic from beaches on the ocean. Yep. Right? One way that you can just have absolute impact on that particular cause, you know, that, that thing that just gets you up mm. in the morning that you're so, so passionate about is enabling your own leverage, mm. you know, having leverage to have that impact. You know, everyone's only got the same, you know, relatively about the same amount of time, assuming you don't so get what, chopped, what, chopped off at the knees. What is leverage? Yeah. So what is leverage? What is leverage? So leverage, you know, let's talk it a little bit abstractly. Leverage would be the amount of value that you can create or the amount of impact that you can create as a result of that value generation per time. By your actions, By your, do you think? Or Well, I think everything is your action. Right. Everything you, so, yeah. so a, a physical example would be the lever. You've got a fulcrum. You pull it and it's levered in a way that you can lift much heavier things, for example. So that is that, and that concept also applies to the classic fulcrum. Your efforts or. Um, and you, there's different ways to do that, isn't there? Like, yeah. So the yeah. the um, yeah the biggest thing is that if you've got the fulcrum and or the you know the balance, you want to have that fulcrum sitting as far as close <laughs> to you as possible and still be able to press it down, and everything else on the other side lifts up. Mm. Yeah. So it's, to it's, maximize so maximize you, that leverage. You're using something else, a tool to multiply your actions yeah by many many times and multiply your actions multiply what it is that you're getting out per yeah value of your time per time yeah yeah so like working at this office what's the thing that with your time can make the most impact and how can you multiply that impact and this is a big theme for him on his in this podcast and one of the things that was really enlightening to me how Clearly, he kind of put this um, that he said there's three types of leverage in the world. There's labor, so you, which is like the oldest, the oldest form of leverage, and the easiest to understand. I find this the easiest. This to is understand. the fucking mate. This is the fucking pharaohs <laughs> back yeah. in back in Egypt yeah. having six thousand dudes build their pyramids mm. or mm. however many hundreds, it might even be hundreds of thousands of people build their pyramids. Mm. Yeah, and he he talks about that, yeah, you on a building site, like Ryan said, you're building this pyramid, you've got 10,000 people and the pharaoh says, move these blocks into this shape and they do it through force, whipping, you know, all these horrible things, I imagine. They're slaves and these days you pay people for that, but... It's the one that people understand. You pay people to be slaves. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But you pay people for work. <laughs> Don't twist my words. <laughs> um, and they get something about out of that with a secure paycheck that they get every month. 
but and they're doing stuff for you for, and you are hopefully as the business owner or whatever getting you know multiplying your ideas through their labor and getting the benefit from that financially and otherwise so and that's the one that people understand the most like and he says that's why your parents are impressed when how many people are working for you you know oh you've got a promotion there's 12 people working for me now well done whatever and it's certainly the one I understand the most and have thought about probably yeah. before. It's it's the one that has that real like tangible mm. feel to it, you know? Yeah. You know? And the second being capital he talks about, which is money effectively. Um, and it's more complex. So you can borrow money to buy a home. It costs a million dollars in Melbourne which is crazy. But, uh, That's a one better. <laughs> one bed studio apartment. Um, and you put in, say, $100,000, borrow the 900 the price goes up, you slowly pay that back. But as it goes up, you're getting much bigger return on your 100000 because you've borrowed that money. Um, than you would if you just had a hundred only. So there's risk in it, but you can leverage your returns through that money, or you can use your money to invest in. If you're the bank, you can use that money to invest in, say, a startup, and you don't really have to do anything. You just put that money there, and then the market cap of that startup goes up. You make money. Yeah, and and so the. The, the, the thing with this whole capital thing, right, is it's this continually building, evolving beast as well. And because the financial world has just become so complex, um, you know, in order to play the money for money sake game, you know, the banks and the investment, if you don't have that real high baseline with all the, you know, the quants and stuff, bolstering you up it's a tough game to play because it's just it's become so tightly controlled but also controlled from a government perspective but also from a the monopolies if you will that, mm. are, that are in the sort of helm you know the, the the top seat that are just it's unfair creating the complexity on the complexity because yeah. if you've got it it keeps compounding yeah but it's no reason why people can't also start playing that game as well. Hell no. Yeah. That's right. Um, and then the last one, which was fascinating to me, is that he talks about technology with low – technology and media with low cost of replication is the most – is the new probably the newest form that's accessible to everyone. Um, it's very egalitarian because – everyone can do it pretty much um, these days and it's massive leverage. So this podcast, we can now record this, put this up on Apple Podcasts and theoretically 10 million people can download it and we've only, we've still only recorded it once. We haven't had to do it 10 million times and the, the internet and technology's made that, the current technology has made that really, really easy because back in the day we would have had to go on roadshow and talk to people and we would never have reached as many people and have to do the 
do it over and over and over again or rely on a third party like a publisher or a TV network to pitch this to, they would then, uh, so there was a massive gatekeeper because then they, they would publish it for us and because it costs money, we'd have to go through them. And this is coupled with his idea that people are worried about the robot revolution, but he reckons it's already here. They're all just packed in data centres. So there's millions and millions and millions of computers that you can get to work for you for very, very little, as long as you know how to speak to them, which is to code. You need to speak their language. And you can use them to almost infinitely leverage what you're doing. But that's that the, is that, crazy. That's the thing, though, is like any one of really any coder themselves could create the next big thing. Yeah. You know, right? The next Facebook or, you know, it's, it's not saying it's an easy thing, mm. but the possibility is there. You know, the, the, the possibility is now in anyone's hand to utilise this technology. And most people haven't figured it out yet, he says. And that was a full, like I'm not doing that. I'm not really using that type of leverage often, probably starting with this podcast, but that is just such an eye-opener for me. Yeah. And this is the thing, right, is, is that technological leverage though, everyone has it and everyone uses it at the same time. So you compare like, you know, go back even 20 years ago, right? The amount of just base leverage that we have now in our hands, I can Google anything. Mm. I have I have in my hand my phone, which has more information power than, you know, what the most powerful man on the planet had 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, the President of the United States or whatever. What about what he says about like Jeff Bezos and how technology is a bit of an equaler in that way. Do you remember that? It's it's to your point, like he sort of says that Jeff doesn't get, he's talking about the rich and the poor, you know, Um, and that technology is a great leveler because Jeff Bezos doesn't get like a better type of search result when he types it into Google. He gets the same as us. Mm. He talks about... Okay, he Jeff. doesn't get faster delivery on Amazon. Although he <laughs> might have like a Jeff's only, Jeff's only priority yeah. mail. Yeah. He doesn't get, you know, better Netflix shows. Everyone gets the Netflix shows. He has better holidays because that's more around labor and money. Money. Um, but yeah, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, like, what, what is a better holiday? Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's yeah. a deep dive. But isn't that really interesting? Like, I never thought of that either. That it's like the ultimate, the ultimate uh, democracy, almost like it's the ultimate, like yeah, yeah, you know, e- it's equality. Equal. Yeah. It's equality. Yeah, um, that's really cool. Yeah, it's amazing. Like because the hand, you know, because the power is given to the consumer through these technologies. The only issue right there is that the, at the same time as the power is in the hand of the consumer, there is now through data and analytics, there is also so much more power that's generated off 
the back of yeah, the consumers. That's very true. Input into that. That's true. You know, the classic. You know what? What does Google think of such and such today? What you know? What's what's the opinion saying about Donald Trump at the moment? You mm. know, so you start typing in, "Is Donald Trump a mm. World War One conspirator?" <laughs> Is Donald Trump a Nazi? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it goes the other way too, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, totally. And he says that the internet has massively changed the amount of jobs that are available. Most people haven't un- most people haven't figured that out yet. So think about that as an opportunity. So the greatest you can have an army of robots working for you. Basically for free or very very little cost. They can leverage more than the other two types, which are much harder to get, or arguably the same or more than the other two types, which are much harder to get and control, (laughs) capital and labour. And not many people have figured that out. That is (laughs) something we should all be looking at. So I've downloaded a Learn to Code app on my phone and I'm starting to... You started learning to code. Yeah, (laughs) I've learned how to type my name in Python, so... Well, there's been two... Living living under a rock, you miss you miss some of the uh, you know some of the um, exciting things of the moment, if you will, exciting things of the moment. And apparently, there was like this this like just absolute controversy created. I think it was on Twitter um, around this like learn to code hashtag thing, and basically the entire thing getting shut down because it was like this you know, this facetious having a go at, um, you know, particular industries that were becoming redundant right. in essence as a result of, you know, the technological revolution. And, you know, it's just, a, well, learn to code. Mm. Yeah, okay. Which is, yeah, it's all, yeah, it's it's all well and de- good. It's demeaning. Yeah, right? very that demeaning, is- all well and good to say. But, yeah. you know, people are in different circumstance. Um, yeah, that's just horrible. Yeah. <laughs> But it just blew up. Really? Yeah, and so much so that, you know, as things as these things like evolve and morph, you know, and become like slightly more nuanced in, in how they sound, you know, they, they drop off a word and then, you know, it just becomes, you know, L2C or something like that or, you know, or it You're becomes like, a code. What the hell is that? It's <laughs> code name. Yeah. But then they all get shut down as well, you know, as a result of the these social media. Successful. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Tell me about specific knowledge. So he, um, he, he talks about uh, how you need to find your own specific knowledge right? and find your own specific knowledge and apply that leverage that we were just talking about. You know, So by finding your specific knowledge, you are better able to apply this leverage. So um, specific knowledge is, is in essence um, what it is that you can do that no one else can do um, that society wants or that society values or society doesn't know that it yet values but will value. So that's, that's kind of like you know, if you hit that, hit that on the head then, you know, and it's, it's within some sort of timely nature you don't want that to be in a hundred years time when, you know, it might be a little bit too far gone by then. Um, 
then then you've hit the nail on the head. Interesting that happens to a lot of artists, I think. Yeah. They die and then they become popular. Mm. Death does great things to your career if you're a musician or a painter or something. Art, artist. Which is a shame. <laughs> so, all right, here's the question. So is it because that they died or is it because they were just like so onto where things were going, you know? They were so on like the, the cold front of where things were going that they kind of predicted what it was going to be, expressed that in their various art form and then and it's just that it wasn't until 100 years later, 200 years later that rest of society caught up with it. Yeah, I reckon it's a bit of both. Like it depends on the person. But take Van Gogh, for example. I think he was ahead of his time. Um, and only – but having died, but then you take some musicians like Jeff Buckley or whatever, they died – if you die at the peak of your popularity, it kind of immortalises you because people long, long for more, I think. You know, I think that this guy, so talented, everyone loved him. Kurt Cobain, he dies. Mm. It's so much sadness because you've got that connection to them, but you also know it's now become a finite product that you're never going to get any more of. So I think that's part of it, depending on the situation. But interestingly with the Van Gogh stuff, his brother funded a lot of his work and then his widow... I think it's his widow and his brother then spent a lot of time after he died pushing his work, pushing his work, getting it out there, showing people and really promoting it. And that led to a lot of his success as well. It didn't just, some, no one just stumbled across that and thought this is brilliant, you know. There was a marketing machine behind it too. Because it is fantastic. And I think that the in that timing, the invention of photography, painting probably became more, a little bit venturing into something that I'm not an expert at. But, you know, painting became more abstract and more expressionist after that, I assume, um, was one of the reasons. And he kind of died, you know, like it's, it's, it's if... It's bloody interesting. At this but the like, work's great. Yeah, <laughs> at this intersectional point. Yeah, like... Well, that's timing, the thing. Right? The thing. Timing. You know, when, when every man and their dog could, well, sorry, not, not even every man and their dog, when anyone could just replicate reality mm. with the click of a button and probably back then there was a bit of a flash and a bang and a heap of smoke and other mm. things going on, you kind of, technology had kind of made the artist redundant. As a... To a degree. Well, the, yeah. As the current... As a trade. Representative, yeah. As a trade. As a trade. Yeah. The portrait of the family was now done by a camera yeah. rather than being done by a painter. Interesting interesting theory. So painters, that was a trade, right? You'd go and paint things for people. No, no cameras. Cameras come along, new technology, and the trade pushes more towards art. That's an interesting thought. I wonder what else that's going to happen to. Well, that isn't, isn't that the, the theory, though, is that that the you know the great contingent workforce that we're going to become right, is going to be primarily and growing more growingly focused around the creative industries and creative arts to the point where we just become creatures of leisure 
basking in our own creativity and doing nothing but creative thought. Mm. Sounds we're a fair way away from like that, a utopia. Like. <laughs> yeah, until 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 all the uh, the over surveillance and 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 you don't actually know what you're thinking because everyone else is thinking it. Because the robot tells you what to think. The robot tells you what you're thinking. It knows you better than you know yourself. Yeah, and then you realise that you un- you need to unplug yourself. And run to the woods. <laughs> so, so good, good tangent though. Yeah. Well, so let's get back to it. Well, well yeah, it's it's interesting, right? So Van Gogh, right? He had a very specific knowledge, and he was authentic to who he was. You know, yes. this is quite interesting, right? Because you hear a lot of the, you know, a lot of these artists, you know, jumping back into your your little tangent. You hear a lot of these artists, you know, maybe going mad or just, um you know, completely losing their grasp on reality and normality, if you will. But that's kind of, at the same time, them embracing uh, themselves, you know, Mm. being wholly authentic to their trade, being wholly authentic to who it is that they are. So, So that... Do you think it's like a link to madness? Well... Or as cre- people often say, creativity is on the edge of insanity, right? Yeah. Well, there's there's like the the cold front of creativity and how it then blurs the line between that and madness. Just as like you know, a tier before that, you've kind of got like what society thinks is normal, and then moving into the sort of cold fronts of creativity, and it's kind of like just mm-hmm. continually moving along that spectrum of. Um, it's kind of like. You got to have the like the links back yeah. to what every everything else that's going on, and um, we're still social creatures, mate. You know, mm. so if you're if you're right on, you know, the absolute basking fringe, have you lost your grasp on? Have you lost some of your grasp on the innate nature of who we are because you're no longer social? You know, you've lost some of that social element, that mm. ability to really interact. Maybe that you know, man, that's that, that's like a check. No. To get a, a psychologist on this podcast, yeah, to talk I need, I need someone who needs someone who knows a lot more than. <laughs> I need like Daniel. It's, bloody, it's Danny really Carmen interesting, in though. <laughs> so, the main thing being right, these artists need to be authentic. Yeah, yeah, and, and no one uh, can be Van Gogh, can they? Yeah, that's he's the just his own entity. Like every single human being on the planet is unique, and this is you know, Naval like emphasizes this. We, we are all new, unique. You need to be authentic to who it is that you are. In order to do that, you need to know who you are. And so that's like a continual process of discovery, you know. And Naval feels like he knew who he was at quite an early age. And he also talks to, you know, it's quite interesting because a lot of who we are has already been, you know, developed and decided by the time. And it's usually what you like to do as well. Yeah. You're good at it. It's a feedback loop. Yeah, it's you're good at it. That makes you feel good. You like to do it. Society that makes values you make it. better at it. Makes you feel better. You, you like it a bit more. It's a continuous loop. He, so he, it's what you're passionate about. Well, so he he talks to um, it's yeah. It can't just be. You can't just do what it is that you are wholly passionate about. Mm. 
if there is absolutely no provision of value to society. Or if it's a ridiculously crowded field. Like you might love running the 100 metres, but it's going to be hard work to beat your same bolt. But you have probably have two or three other skills that you enjoy too. You might be really charismatic or something like that and you could combine the running with some sort of social event and make a running club where you talk to everyone on the run. All of a sudden, people want that, right? You become very good if you combine two or three things that you're good at. The field of people that can also do that is a lot narrower. You're more likely to be one of the better ones, which he credits Scott Adams with what this calls the skill sack. Mm. And his example was that he created Dilbert. He was funny. He'd been in businesses, so he'd lived the corporate world life and he could draw. And he combined those three things and made Dilbert and no one else was doing that. So he became the best at that. Much less competition because he was being authentic to his particularly set of circumstances, but it also related to a lot of people out there. They felt that they, yeah, it was. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, well, there was, there was like, there was an audience for it because yeah. like he hit this intersection of three things that he was passionate about that he had mm. deep specific knowledge in that he developed across time. Mm. And then, um, but like, yeah, well, as you said from Scott Adams, like you just need to become, you, you don't need to be the best at one thing. Mm. You know, you don't need to be the Usain Bolt. You know, once you're getting into that space of competing with the top, top one percentiles, like you are living and breathing every single hour of your waking day, that one thing. You know, that, that's, that's what these Olympians are. You're you, massively reducing your chance of success. Correct. Yep. And potentially not being wholly authentic to who you are either. The, the, you know, quite often if you've, if you've dived into this one thing, maybe you've missed some of the other stuff that's on offer. And, and blinkered that out of your life. And, and then, you know, we get into, again, the space of like happiness and that type of stuff. He talks a lot about building a personal brand too. What do you think about that? He thinks that you should take accountability by putting your name to things and not really hide behind. Um, and, you know, you've got to be out there and, and that builds that unique brand. Yeah. Well, yeah, so you... You, not everyone does that. No. Well, the, that not all successful people either. No. The, the, you know, once, once you've kind of, say, you know, naturally found out what it is that your, your specific knowledge is, your accountability, and I think, I think um, Nivy actually says this, I think, throughout the, throughout the pod, and it's... Um, Accountability is intrinsically and totally proportional to success that you'll create. So the more accountable you are, the more responsible that you are to what it is that you are creating, there is, a, there is an absolute correlation to how much success it can be made. Hmm. At the same time, it's also correlated with risk. Yeah. So you're putting yourself out there you're putting, you're putting your dollars on the line. You're putting your, 
yourself on the line. You're putting your name, your brand, your identity on it's the risky. line. It's risky. It's a risk. People, but another thing he says is that that's a bit overblown, that as long as you do it with integrity and give it a real hot, hot red hot go, most people won't really care. Yeah. But that might be a bit of a bias for Silicon Valley where, but I feel like it's starting to permeate. And if you are genu- genuinely honest and gave something a go, most people kind of respect that, I reckon. Yeah. yeah well and that's the biggest thing is but as soon as you you know as soon as you like lack or you know as soon as you're less authentic about that thing then that'll come out mm. right you know not only are you going to be lacking the energy and lacking the real sort of motivation to to put into it because it's you know still a lot of hard work to get to the top top twenty fifth percentile, so I was saying before, you it's need not to be easy. Top, That's what yeah, it's yeah. not easy. You need to, you need to if you're going to be in the top twenty fifth percentile of three things in order to get this sort of combo, yeah, you know, this ultimate combo in something, it's still a fuckload of work. Yeah, you have to dedicate yourself. to <laughs> And it. so you need you need to you want to have the energy to put into that. So if you're not authentic, if you're not genuine to that, you, you're gonna you're going to struggle. Um, and if you do something really dodgy and fail, then that's not going to work either. If yeah. you're Bernie Madoff, he mentions. Well, that's, you're that, done. that's like the integrity. That's the integrity, the integrity bit, yeah. Integrity piece. And so, uh, sorry. I was going to say, yeah, well, and, and, but that, and that's not just, just you, like, you know, so tr- trust, is, trust is another one of those kind of things that really compounds over time. Um, and and this and you know it, they use the example um this is why career politicians you know regardless of kind of their agenda or um, whatever it is they're able to still get things done in somewhat of a broken broken system if you will to a degree um or a just an overly bureaucratic system because they can make deals with say the other side or someone that's kind of mm. a little bit different to their position because they know that they'll still be in the game in 10 years time because they've built that trust because they've been in the game for 40 years. You know, whilst there's a lot of inherent problems with these career politicians, they're still able to get some things done because they've built up the trust associated with who it is that they are in their own brand that they can make the deals the longer term trust deals because I'll, you know, you rub my back now, I'll rub your back later on. And so they know that they can draw on that. Is there anything that you didn't like about this podcast? Um, what are the criticisms? Uh, definitely is. Um, so this is a challenge, right, with, with any sort of broader brush type arguments because it, it comes down to how well the person that's portraying it's able to articulate it and then how well that the listener is actually able to interpret it and make their own interpretation. So you can make all these, that's, that's kind of one thing is it's, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for here for people to make their own interpretations and maybe go on completely wild tangents. And maybe I'm going on completely wild tangent with how I'm interpreting the whole podcast. So mm. there's, there's probably elements of that, you, you miss a bit of that sort of tangibility 
you know, when things are a little bit broader brush. Yeah. I wonder as well, it is so dense. Like I showed it to a friend and they're like, oh, they're really nerding out on this. And I was thinking, am I enjoying this because of I really love diving into this stuff? Or is it is it accessible? Is it accessible enough to the general person? I don't know. Um, who maybe doesn't read as many business books as you and I or whatever, I would who, say, who really enjoys the space? I would say no, right, because any time that – Anytime that you're going to mention some of these these things that are um, <laughs> a little bit abstract or a little bit um, theoretical, and if you if you haven't seen it elsewhere before, you know, and you're hearing then just this sort of wild theory that just comes out, you know, be the best at you know mm. three things. Oh, sorry, be 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 in the top twenty five percent of three things. Oh yeah, thanks. Yeah, whatever, you know. What what does that even mean? How do I start? Or, you know, what does does being authentic mean? What does being genuine mean? And I think the other thing is it takes a lot of reflection, this podcast. You need to think about it afterwards and make the time for it. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like the, what are the, what are the things that I now need to do as a result of listening to this? Yeah. And I, I don't think I've figured out. I'm still not sure I understand everything in there and want to keep diving in and thinking about it and thinking about what it means for me. Yeah. But, I, yeah, what, what do I – is it actionable? What do I do, you know? Yeah. I, th- I think – How yeah, do I start? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree that I, I think there's like – there's definitely some accessibility issues, but at the same time I think it does an amazing job. Yeah. In, like it is absolutely amazing podcast. Might be some accessibility issues yeah. in, in people needing, you know, to – to, to build up that base level of knowledge, you know, as he says, the the most imp- the, the best way that you can. Oh, sorry. So he also says a lot of things that are like, uh, you know, just bold statements. Like this is fact. Yeah. And one of those is the best way to build up your base level of knowledge is by reading books. Mm. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. But it's true for him. Is it true, true for, him? for everyone? Don't know. Mind you, there's a, there's probably a pretty significant trend of people who do read versus those who do not do any reading and you'd probably you'd be able to get a strong correlation between mm. success yeah. if you will and, yeah. and probably some of the other life factors i think it's also probably the way they are just as people is kind of they're almost they're, they're super mathematical the way they reason things out is a very kind of logical, mathy sort of. So that might stop a different type of person who's more, who's less inclined. Like we're engineers, right? Yeah. So this type I don't of know communication, how to think probably. Of the no, probably. Yeah, <laughs> process driven. Like we're like great, but I wonder. I'd love to hear some feedback from some other people who perhaps don't haven't played in that space as much. Yeah. Well, this, this is the thing. Like, is he speaking their to, language? To, to hit that on like the head is like towards the end of towards the end of the podcast. And if he's like, yeah, so what you're saying is like the eventual outcome equals distinctiveness of your specific knowledge times by how much you leverage 
you can apply to that knowledge times by how much, how often your judgment is correct, times by how singularly accountable you are for the outcome, times by how society <laughs> values what you're doing, times by compounded <laughs> how long you can keep doing it, improving it over time. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> and so some people just start hearing that and just be like, uh, yeah. That's it. Gone. Yeah. Use, use your multiply sign. Yeah. It's too much going on here. So what are you going to do with it? I'm going to listen to it again. <laughs> and figure that yeah. out. No, I, um, I, I, took, I took so much away. So, yeah. so much away from this, this podcast. I, yeah, I don't mean to sort of bring it down towards the end there in saying that you know, oh, the tangible outcomes. We, wouldn't, we wouldn't be doing this if we didn't love yeah, it. Right? Yeah, yeah. So we loved this podcast. Don't get us wrong. Yeah. But it's good to see both sides of it too. Yeah. I think, I think, like, I think, I think, you know, someone can get a, you know, even if they get the takeaway, oh, I might just start reading some books now. That's oh. amazing. You know, that's an amazing outcome all the way through to, you know, you discovering or getting a real sort of clear idea as the three out, you know, three outcomes for yeah. achieving leverage, or three different types of leverage, I should say. Um, um, big, my biggest takeaway was like wholly around the sort of action bias. Yeah. Yeah, and just how important it is to have that action bias, and successful people are action bias, particularly for me, right? So, jumping on the specific knowledge stuff is I've been on a like. Yeah, and I think it's my take on this very early on in in life is that um, it's like a continual journey. This like you know this this self discovery, this like self reflective exercise that just continues to happen. It's exciting, right? Um, um, but as part of that, realizing that, you know, I spent a lot of fucking time just planning things and working out, oh, what if this happens or, you know, what if that happens or you know, what if I can't control this constraint or, you know, the classic engineer over-engineering it. Just get out there and do it. Mm. You know, just have a go. Um, You're going to learn a lot more from the feeling of doing it than you are from anything else really. Yeah. As long as you're not taking ridiculous risk, that is the caveat. Don't figure out how to base jump by jumping off a building. You should look into that. Don't try open heart surgery day one of your medical degree, right? It's like certain activities <laughs> require it, but yeah, it's you not know, to say forget about risk. Cap the downside. Yeah. But start. Yeah, just start doing. So when you've capped that downside, when you've explored what the downsides are, just have a go. Yeah. Or, or when you're in, you know, yeah. when you're not jumping off a cliff. Take a step we, forward. Just take a step forward. There's yeah. no reason you can't call someone. There's no reason you can't um, go and start learning to download a coding academy type thing or mm. whatever it is, you know. There's, there's so many different things you can do. It's about getting that sort of iterative process mm. going and getting the feedback from yeah. the iterative process. Yeah, that's awesome. What about you, Mark? I think for me it's the technology's leverage. I need, I'm going to look into that a lot more and take, and the personal accountability is something and person and specific knowledge. I really want to think about what that is for me and put that out into the world. And it's kind of defined something I was had bubbling around in my head already, but I hadn't thought about it in that way. And the power of those, combining those two things, um, having the courage to put 
your ideas out into the wider world uh, is something I'm definitely going to push forward with and this podcast the start of it so um, building yeah building that building that brand and there's no reason that you know given the pie given what the pie is there's no reason that everyone can't build that brand yeah you know that's everyone is unique everyone has the opportunity to build that brand yeah. why not build that brand I hate to sound so fucking motivational speaker like but that's like a big takeaway yeah you know? and there's no reason you can't do that you know yeah that's it and there's so there's so much else but to me that's the stuff that's sitting with me right now yep. um and just the understanding of the way that the pie grows and that sort of stuff as well yeah. making sure you're always trying new things and reflecting on them and iterating um, well, because because there is so many people mate because the pie is growing it is an efficient you know the world is an efficient place as he says and that there are no get rich quick schemes no every like there there is not you know if like if someone else is trying to sell you that they're just making money off you <laughs> yeah that's you know it. That, that that that's this that's their way of getting rich is by there are no get you. rich quick schemes. That's just someone else getting rich off you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Which is uh, like you know you see now you see now like buy your bitcoins here. You know mm. buy your cryptocurrencies here. Look at this new yeah this new um, initial coin offering. And I'll then, teach you how to analyze that market or whatever. Yeah, property the, stocks. They're all like you yeah. know it's it's and and the saddest thing is is that that comes into this efficient world of competitive business environment and you know with with you know now that we've got some of the best or sorry some of the top 25th percentile say psychologists or social engineers almost now working for some of these companies they're able to market these things so well mm. that they appear like they're a genuine thing yeah and it it's that's that's kind of sad. So if there's a takeaway from yeah. that, it's like there is no get rich quick schemes. I think he says be impatient with actions. So do it, you know, get moving, start it. But be patient with outcomes. So it's not going to happen quickly. You just need to do the right things over and over and over again and over the long term you'll win. Yeah. If um, if there is there is a really good quote there that's one i'm going to take away yeah is um you know a year from now you'll wish you'd started today <laughs> that's cool yeah yeah well let's leave it with that mate that's a, that's a good way to like motivationally round this off <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get out there and do something yeah it's time right. to start doing something cheers <laughs> cheers